0: Welcome to a place where we combine equal parts science, technology, design, and entrepreneurship. Then we gradually stir in magic to the mixture, and you have the Perception Podcast.
1: Join us in conversations with design heroes, inspirational thinkers, business leaders, and trailblazers across the globe. Today on the Perception Podcast, our special guest is James Hobson, better known as a YouTube sensation, the Hacksmith. James is a 29-year-old inventor
0: turned YouTube star who has built an engineering R&D company from the ground up by taking fictional ideas from comic book movies and video games and making real working prototypes. His videos of building these real, science fiction prototypes are watched by his 7 million plus subscriber audience base on YouTube.
1: With over a dozen employees and a 13,000 square foot facility, he's taking the first steps to building a real life Stark Industries. So let's get ready to talk shop with the Hacksmith and see what he's got cooking in the Hacksmith Lair. Today we have a very special guest on the Perception Podcast, James Hobson, the Hacksmith. Thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast, James.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, So tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up.
2: Uh, So I'm Canadian. I was born in Kitchener, Ontario, which is about an hour west of Toronto. Um, I'm 29 years old and i've been doing youtube now for uh 13 years
1: i guess wow so where'd you where'd you go to school
2: Uh, i was actually homeschooled as a child um but i did go to high school uh in kitchener and then i went on to college where i got a bachelor of engineering in mechanical systems engineering design
0: so what led you down that path Uh, how did you know you wanted to pursue engineering
2: uh so I've always enjoyed making things, although as a child I didn't actually, beyond like Lego and uh, mechanics, I, I didn't really uh, make that much stuff. But then in high school, I gravitated towards the uh, the tech programs, and then I learned what I was doing in tech class was called engineering. And then I was just like, oh, I guess I'll go to school for engineering. And then as I continued to learn more about technology and engineering design, I was basically adding new tools to my toolkit to be able to make uh, cooler and cooler projects. And I've always enjoyed making um, neat things. I, I One of the first things I did in high school was as part of the robotics club. And we actually made a robot that could um, play a variation of soccer. And it was actually a Canadian competition called Skills Canada. And in our first year competing, we actually, we won the regional competition, the provincial competition, and then the national competition too. And that was kind of when I realized like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at, like, this engineering thing. And that's kind of what snowballed it off to continue continue learning and doing more stuff.
1: Awesome. So were you a molo fan growing up or just a superhero fan growing up?
2: Um, I've always enjoyed the superhero movies and the TV shows, but I've honestly not read too many comics, even though uh, a lot of my fans probably think I'm a huge comic book nerd. I, I love the, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and everything, but I, I've never been too much into the actual comic books. Surprisingly enough. <laughs> so,
0: what about the MCU? Got you uh, so excited and inspired to do what you do now?
2: Um. So I've always liked the the, uh, the superhero architect archetype. Um, when I was a kid, I, I grew up watching Smallville. Actually, oh, but, I love uh, that show. Yeah, it was great. Tom Welling's uh, making a comeback, I can. hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think uh, look, they're having a, like a crossover that. event, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and Tom Welling is uh, returning with Lois Lane from Smallville.
2: Ooh, that would be awesome. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was definitely uh, it was one of my favorite shows growing up and definitely led me into the superhero world. And then um, as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, obviously with uh, Iron Man kicking it off, suddenly it was like, man, this is so cool. like um, A billionaire who actually does cool stuff. No offense to the current billionaires out there, but like, I don't know why we don't have some billionaire superheroes yet. Because with the power of technology, you can do anything, as uh, Tony Char- Tony Stark shows.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, where'd you end up working when you graduated?
2: Uh, so, my first job out of school was actually in Toronto, and I was a mechanical designer for a company that made injection molding machines. Mm. So. Not overly exciting, but it was a cool company to work for. It was a very uh, forward-thinking company, very green. Um, and it was actually very uh, – the, uh, the, the average age of the employees there was very young. So what happened was uh, uh, Robert Shad, he started his, his business a long time ago, made billions, and then um, decided he wanted to uh, have a fresh start. And what he did was he hired a few experts in the industry –
1: and then he hired
2: fresh grads to make up the entire engineering staff because he didn't want to keep uh, the old mindset that had existed in that field for so long. And that was his way of way of doing that. And it was actually a really cool idea. Um, so it was an awesome company to work for. I, I learned a lot. Um, but within a year, I, was, I felt like I'd learned everything I could.
1: And is that when you decided to uh, create the Hacksmith or was there something before that?
2: Um, uh, so that was roughly around the time that I coined the term Hacksmith. Um, when I actually started making YouTube videos, um, for Hacksmith, basically it was 2012 and that was actually when YouTube opened up the partner program to, uh, to anyone. So before that you had to get approved, you had to jump through all these hoops, but in 2012, the summer of 2012, that's when they said, all right, if you guys want to be a YouTube partner, you can just make videos and potentially make money. And I thought, wow, it would be really cool to make money from doing videos online. And I started doing videos weekly for the next few years. And honestly, I didn't have much traction or growth, but I kept um, using my engineering knowledge and money to buy more tools, my th- first 3D printer, laser cutter, and I was slowly able to build better and better things. And the first project that really took off from my YouTube channel was when I tried recreating the... Uh, Elysium exoskeleton from the movie Elysium with Matt Damon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Um, and why why I picked that one was it was in my mind one of the most realistic exoskeletons I had seen in fiction. It was um, it wasn't very um, polished or refined, but it was it, it seemed like something that was doable. So that's why I, I latched onto that one and I made a rough prototype that was able to curl three hundred pounds, which is pretty cool. And the internet loved it, and suddenly the, the channel started growing. And that was when I first realized, like, hey, there might actually be, like, an appetite for this. There might be a chance I could do this full-time. So I kept working on projects like that. Um, and I, I took another job back in my hometown in Kitchener uh, just before that. And then uh, that was when I first had my very own garage, so my first real workshop. And then I kept growing it from there and there, and then... I bought my first house in 2015, which had a massive garage in the backyard, 1,300 square feet. Wow. And I specifically bought the house for the garage because I saw having that workshop as being the key to really growing this beyond um, kind of anything that's already out there on YouTube. And since then, we've been, we've been growing the channel pretty well, doubling in size year over year. So I've, I've been doing this full time for... I guess four years this November, so next month will be my four-year anniversary of doing YouTube full-time. That's
0: amazing. So, so what advice would you give to others who are looking to grow their own YouTube following?
2: Well, it's not easy. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's actually very interesting because I've seen lots of polls and like 90% of kids are, or some crazy statistic, they just want to be YouTubers. Yeah, and my, my
0: son's had a channel since he was six. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of appeal to doing it. Yeah. But the issue is lots of people try and um, do the same thing over and over again, like be a vlogger or a gamer. And the problem with like, doing stuff like that is it's so oversaturated right now. Unless you're really different and really unique, you're going to have a really hard time competing in those fields because they're the ones where they're the most creators. But if you do something that is actually unique and creative, um, you've got a much better chance. Um, so, there's there's quite a few maker channels out there, but I believe we're one of the only YouTube channels that really treated it like a business and grew it as our channel grew. Um, so, now we're up to about 10 full time employees and we have a 13,000 square foot facility. And all that's thanks to YouTube, but it's also because we've been continually reinvesting in ourselves, in the business, and um, growing our capabilities. So, I guess my advice would be you got to make sure you're doing something unique and you're constantly reinvesting in yourself to make that even better. If you're not doing that, you're not going to be able to compete uh, in in the industry.
0: That's great advice. So how, how often are you guys posting new videos?
2: Uh, So we've been posting one video a week for the past four years or so. Um, Sometimes we miss a video here and there, but our goal, especially with this new facility is to get up to at least two videos a week, maybe even three, because the beauty with YouTube is, it's so scalable. Like the mm. appetite for YouTube videos is there. Um, we could probably go up to a video a day at some point if we were able to produce that much content and people would still be happy to see that.
0: Yeah, being consistent and having that uh, quality and quantity all really help your success. Yeah. I'm wondering what what makes you decide to take on a particular project when you're when you're looking at a new Marvel movie or a new science fiction movie. Is there something that... You're looking for when you decide this is our next video, this is our next engineering initiative.
2: Uh, for the most part, I'd say it's just um, <laughs> kind of sounds funny, but like how cool the project is is like, is that something I'd love to see in real life, and usually that's the main criteria. So do, we you, will do you look
0: for do you look for something that's going to be more of a challenge, or do you look for something that's just going to be more I guess more appealing to a wider audience?
2: Um, we, we do have to look at the, uh, the mainstream appeal. Um, we do think that's, that's a big reason why our channel has grown so much um, because the issue is you can make cool, crazy inventions, but if the average person doesn't understand or know what that invention is from a couple word title or from the thumbnail,
0: then it's lose really them.
2: hard to get lots of people to actually watch that video. Mm-hmm. And since our, since our business is built on getting views, we need to try and focus a bit on that mainstream, like that connection. And what we found is, uh, tying off the success of blockbuster movies and things that are very popular, um, really helps us, uh, get more views than normal projects. So we do have to try and focus a bit. Like obviously Iron Man is huge. Spider-Man is huge. Whenever we do a Marvel project, it always seems to do quite a bit better. If we do an obscure project from a video game that not many people know, then it doesn't always do as well so that is the one the one tricky thing that i i'm not in love with about my business how we do have to try and cater to that mainstream audience but hopefully as we're expanding and doing more and more content we'll be able to start doing some more of the obscure um uh, comic books and and stuff like that
1: Mm mm-hmm so you talk about Hacksmith operating as a business, do you guys build one-offs for specific products or, or clients, or you know, do they have as like show pieces at their, in their lobbies, things like that?
2: Uh, nope, we've, actually, we've only done one project like that. And uh, it was actually an art installation for uh, Bosch. And we made something called the, uh, the Endless Gearbox. And basically it had a gear ratio of 90 trillion to one. So, it had a Bosch drill spinning this big drill, this big gear at the beginning, and then it kept gearing down and down and down and down. And the very last gear was actually fixed. So, when you're looking at it, you're like, how does that work? That's, that doesn't work because the last gear isn't spinning at all. But it's because the gear ratio is so slow, it would take a thousand years for that last gear to even turn, say, a degree or something like that. And it was a cool project, but it reminded us why we started this business, and it was to work for ourselves not for someone else. So we don't actually really do any commission work. Um, Our commission is doing the video. So we have built uh, specific projects for companies um, to assist in say, advertising a movie release. For example, we built a a Neuralizer for Men in Black International, the Blu-ray release. And what they paid for was the, the video and the advertisement of Men in Black International in that video. But we were actually making the neuralizer for ourselves, and one to give away to our fans.
1: Gotcha. Uh, is that similar to how you did, like the sleeping pod with the uh, the mattress, uh, Casper? I think it was. Yeah. So, right. A- any uh,
2: dedicated sponsored build, we still keep. All all the brand or client is actually paying for is the video. Um, there's the possibility in the future of m- making one for the uh, the brand as well. But in general, what they are actually just paying for is the video advertisement and the eyeballs that we bring to our YouTube channel.
1: Mm-hmm. So one of the newer episodes I noticed uh, was uh, you guys d- did uh, the Edith glasses for the Spider-Man Far yeah. From Home. I don't know if you know this, but we did a lot of the interfaces for that movie. Um, no <laughs> uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about your visit at North, because I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, with like Google Glass and all these other things in the past. Um, what did you mm-hmm. think when you put them on? Because I, I just wanted to get your point of view.
2: They're pretty darn cool. Yeah. Um, the, the neat thing about these glasses compared to any other smart glasses or augmented reality goggles out there is it is literally projecting the image onto your retina. It's not putting the screen on the glass. It's literally reflecting it into, into the back of your eyeball. So no one else can see um, what you see. You might be able to see a a sparkle in your eye or like a reflection, Mm -hmm. but there's no way you can see that there's a screen there. Um, And it's pretty incredible technology. They've spent millions and millions of dollars developing it, um, figuring out how to make projectors that small, safe to shine in your eye and accurate enough to do something like that. Um, So the the glasses are, are quite incredible for what they are, but I'm really looking forward to the next gen, the next level up, because they're gonna keep refining this, making the screen box bigger, uh, making it more immersive, basically making it a lot more like the Edith glasses where um, they can see what you're looking at and then give you feedback and information about what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Whereas right now, um, to describe their actual potential, or not potential, what they can do right now, it's more like having a smartwatch shine in your eye. Right. So you, you can see your time, you can see messages, notifications, walking directions, uh, you can talk to Amazon Alexa, but the glasses still aren't, um, they aren't reacting to your surroundings beyond your GPS location. Mm-hmm. But in the future, you add a camera there, you have more immersive view, bam, you've got augmented reality just like you guys showed in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home.
1: Right. And they're better looking too. The, the, the glasses in the movie looks like something I was wearing in grade school as compared to, uh, you know, North had some stylish uh, frames as well, so that was cool. I loved his reaction, by the way, when, uh, when you guys were talking about an ex-employee that joined your team. Yep. That was great.
2: Yeah, so he was literally working with that company beforehand, and uh, but we've been friends since high school. He was on the uh, robotics team with me, and we've always been making projects together. So once I finally took the leap, he kind of followed, followed through, uh, a few months afterwards not wanting to get left behind hmm. so we, we had a lot of, and we, we've had a lot of fun he's, he's my business partner in this and we've uh we've grown the business a bit bigger than i guess we originally thought we could but now i'm i'm imagining even bigger things i want to i want to become the next stark industries eventually we're hoping to actually invent something that actually betters mankind and actually actually sell it so um we, we've got high hopes
0: that's awesome is there uh, any one particular project that stands out to you from all the others?
2: Uh, in, in what way, would you say?
0: Uh, maybe in the most challenging or the one you're most proud of accomplishing.
2: Um, I'd say one of my favorite projects was one of my first. It was the uh, Captain America Electromagnet Shield, um, which uh, we recreate, recreated from Civil War. Um, and it was, I had the idea for a while before we actually made it. And then when we made it, we had such viral success. Um, it's actually responsible for growing our channel from about hundred thousand subscribers to half a million wow. in one month.
0: Just with that one video.
2: Out. Yeah. So it, uh, it helped encourage that we were on the right track and it showed the appetite out there for doing this kind of thing. So it was really, it was the start of the snowball effect. So I'll I'll always hold that project pretty close to my heart. I've got it hung up in my office right now. Mm-hmm. And um, is that when you get just, the golden
0: it, the golden YouTube button
2: when you hit that threshold? Sorry, it was like that.
0: The golden uh, uh, button from YouTube when you hit that threshold of subscribers.
2: Uh, yeah, that definitely like the the snowball was rolling at that point. And then uh, once we hit that, we've been doubling year over year since then. Wow. And then. Uh, along with the captain America theme, uh, two years after that project, uh, infinity war came out and captain America had the new Wakandan design, uh, shields with the, uh, the popping out action. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, I took took to the challenge of doing that one. And that one was a lot more complicated than the original shield. Um, it was probably a good six to eight weeks of engineering design time, making a prototype and then manufacturing two more for the videos. Um, so I've, I also hold that one pretty close to my heart. And then continuing with the Marvel theme, Stormbreaker was a ton of work. And oh, sure. it's, it's a one of a kind. Um, we could try making another. I wouldn't really want to. Um, but like <laughs> that one. Yeah, it, it's. It, it's really cool. I, I I enjoy some of the projects and being able to be like, wow, I I made that with my own two hands and. Now, now I've got it. Yeah, it's a great feeling yeah. of accomplishment. What about
0: some that maybe you scrapped or canceled uh, after trying and realized this isn't going to work? Any of those <laughs> that you can share?
2: Um, there aren't actually too many of those. Um, there are a few. I, I can barely name off them because basically what happens is we have a massive list of ideas of stuff from video games and movies and uh, we actually tried organizing it in an Excel table basically um saying how popular is this idea how much do you think the audience is going to like it are we going to be able to sell this in a video um stuff like that and we do a lot of rd so a a lot of (laughs) a lot of our budget goes towards buying new technology and different things that i think might be able to be reused or combined in new ways so basically in that kind of like discovery phase we're figuring out if something is possible or not um there's never really been a project where it's like all right we're doing this for sure and then we start doing it and then we're like wait no we can't do this because usually usually um, we have at least a level of confidence when we're going into a project like yes this is actually possible um before we actually pull the trigger and and start working on it full out so there there really hasn't been any any major projects where we've actually gotten into it and then being like wait a sec this this really isn't going to fly
1: so, have you ever uh, visited any other labs that are building um, futuristic products or something that feels like it's right out of a sci-fi movie? We, we you know, we get to work with these technology clients and uh, and their skunk work divisions. Um, so, we've been everywhere from you know the basements of Ford to uh, SpaceX. So, you know, that's kind of like the almost the real Tony Stark, the closest thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, did you get uh, to visit any of? Uh, of, pla- of places like that? We,
2: we, haven't, we haven't visited too many um, tech labs or anything like that. Um, I'd say the closest is visiting a few of the other YouTubers in the space who make uh, crazy projects. So mm-hmm. uh, one that comes to mind is Colin Furs, obviously, everyone's favorite crazy British inventor. Um, and it's, it's pretty incredible what he's been able to do because he hasn't expanded outside of his garage. So he's made massive projects, even though he's working out of space a fraction of the size. Of the one we have. Um, so it's, it's really inspiring to see, like,
1: <laughs> if, uh,
2: just to be a man with a plan and be able to make that happen, even, even if you don't have um, big resources.
1: So, did you have engineers or, or, or designers that influenced you when you were younger or, or even now?
2: Um, I'd say when I was younger, it was just looking up to Tony Stark. He's kind of the, the gold standard for an engineer in comics. Right. But as far as real-life engineers go, obviously uh, Elon Musk has been a big inspiration. It's amazing what he's done with Tesla and SpaceX, and I'm excited to see what what happens next. Um, but beyond that, um, definitely had some inspiration from Colin Furs, like I was saying, but um, n- not too much. So mostly
1: in the fictional world. Gotcha. All right. What's the press? I know you mentioned you have like a, a huge sheet with the projects that you guys are gonna start cranking through. Tell us how the team's broken up and whose role does what.
2: All right. Uh, as far as ideas go, really, I'm still the one who's uh, deciding what we're working on. Um, as far as professional roles, a lot of our employees at the moment are jacks, jacks of all trades, um, but we do have uh, some people who are better at, say, electronics and whatnot. We're hoping to get to the point where we do have experts in each field in-house. So uh, an expert welder, maybe an expert seamstress, um, expert computer program, programmer, electronics engineer, et cetera. But we are actually still a pretty, pretty small team. So myself and Ian do a lot of the high level engineering and we have one or two employees who um, help with some of the design, but most of it is still actually uh, Ian and myself but we are planning on continuing to expand that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So what bit of advice helped you along the way? And what advice might you have for younger engineers just coming out of school, just starting their career?
2: Um, Never stop tinkering. Um, I I know our videos have inspired thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands around the world. And the neat thing is I'm, I'm inspiring kids who are 10 years old, 12 years old. And the truth is I didn't really start really making things until i was like 18 or 20 which means all these kids who are inspired now to start like if you start at age 10 and you keep pushing and and learning and growing your skills you'll be further ahead than i am right now Mm -hmm. so um basically the advice would be just just keep going um never stop tinkering um i i always say like even when I w- worked for another job, I would spend my hard-earned money on tools and material and supplies instead of maybe going on a vacation or going out for the weekend. Because the neat thing with a tool is you're going to use it forever if it's a good quality tool. So you can, you can grow those tools and uh, your own skill sets. And if you want to, you'll, you'll be able to uh, do whatever you want, but you need to, you need to keep going. That's great advice.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's great that you mentioned, you know, uh, inspiring 10-year-olds or, or um, even younger. Uh, you know, it's like the Tiger Woods of engineering, right? I think he started when he was like five playing golf. Um, <laughs> and, and the technology is so much better each and every year that these kids are, you know, some of the stuff that we struggled with in the past, they grow up and it's just normal to them. Like, you know, like an iPad, for example, when that first came out everybody's yep. like oh how do you use this you know when you were my age but my son picks it up and just starts swiping and you know intuitively knows how to use it so before, and, you, could read, with, yeah. before you could read with you could consumer do
2: that. 3d printers uh, i i know 10 year olds who know how to 3d print stuff mm-hmm. and It's just like wow if i had access to a 3d printer at that age like that's incredible like it really it allows your imagination to actually run run wild yeah and then uh, your challenge is never never catch up to it you gotta. I hey, truly, I think it was Will Smith who said something about like, you're uh, creative. You should always be chasing your imagination because if you've caught up, then you're done.
1: Yep. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. There's a couple of times I know my son's uh, buying parts for his bicycle and I'm building. He's like, man, I wish I had a 3D print. I could probably just print this piece and put it right on. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so, what cool projects are you working on now?
2: Uh, so right now we're actually, uh, we're in a renovation mode at the moment. So uh, like I was saying, we've just moved into a larger facility, 13,000 square feet. Um, we got the keys August 1st and we've been setting up shop for since then. And I suspect we'll be going for another month or two, at least. Uh, we're we're building dedicated workspaces, uh, our very own like full, fully equipped machine shop. Um, and we're also working on Um, making our video production process more efficient. So we can actually have the engineers explaining the process as they're designing in a way that makes it really easy to film and produce a video. And one of the big goals we have of having this facility is being able to bring in talent from around the world. So what we're planning on doing is launching something called the Hacksmith Internship Program, and I'll, And obviously it's it's taken from the the Stark internship program with Peter Parker and Tony Stark. But the idea is it'll be kind of almost like a scholarship program where people from around the world can submit a plan or an idea of a project, a passion project that they want to accomplish that maybe they can't because it'll be too expensive to build or they don't have the resources. And basically what we'll be able to do is we'll see if that project is something that we think we can produce a video about. And if it is, then we'll, we'll fly that person out here to spend a few weeks with us using our machine shop and, and our resources to be able to bring that project to life. And we see it as a way of getting more content for our ch- channel, uh, allowing those uh, passionate, creative people out there who might not have the right outlet just now to actually be able to bring an idea to life. And also, it can even jumpstart, say, another YouTuber's career if we bring some small YouTuber who's actually a really skilled maker on the show, we show him, make something really cool in our shop, bam, now he can start his YouTube channel. Um, so that's that's kind of our, our longer-term plan for having more space like this. That's great. Then, my my um, son
0: is 10 years old. Is he too young to apply?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe a little too young, <laughs> but maybe in a few years. Definitely. So, and then in, in addition to that, we're also hoping to actually start running events here, um, doing workshops for kids, maybe even... 10 and up kind of thing Uh, doing high school tours or grade school tours and stuff like that. So we're really, we're really focusing right now on setting up the business in a way that we're able to expand and really branch out into other fields beyond just YouTube. But as far as projects go, uh, (laughs) we're bringing back the alien power loader soon. So as soon as we're uh, the shops set up a bit more, we're going to be diving back into that and hopefully doing a video once a month on it again, because that's, that's been a dream project for uh, at least like five or six years. I've actually dug back into some of my old YouTube videos where it said, like where I've said, that's one of my dream projects. Someday I want to do this. And now we're actually doing it. So, uh, I can't wait that's, to see that's it. the big one I'm excited for. We've got one arm fully built right now. It can lift 8,000 pounds by itself. And we've got the pieces for the second. Wow. Arm. So hypothetically, it will be able to flip over cars, crush things, uh, pretty well everything. So you're we're, setting up we're to build really a Hulkbuster uniform, basically.
0: <laughs> I'm just curious. Have you have you ever had any issues with with copyright or blocking YouTube blocking you from any of this material?
2: We haven't had any issues, and I'm crossing my fingers that we never do. Um, we see we see our stuff similar to. Uh, artistic representation so when artists do pieces like that we don't sell any of our projects so we're not we're not infringing on like right uh trademarks in that way of course but at the end of the day we are still making money off of our youtube channel but in general we're we're helping advertise and grow the brand of whatever project we're doing um so the dream is in the future hopefully working with those companies um so when Marvel releases a new movie, they come to us and say, let's do some project for this movie as a way to amp up the uh, the excitement for when the actual movie comes out. So we're really hoping that that can become part of our business model where we are actually working with the Marvel studio guys, with people like you and, and stuff like that. Maybe not actually making the prop for the movie, but making an accompanying uh, a video piece to go with their advertising. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's that. That'd be awesome. I mean, they'd be silly to, uh, to you know, have you take off the videos or something like that. I mean, you, like you said, you're just enhancing what they do. So, um, I think it's just uh, you know, people that are fans that are building stuff. You know, it's all over the place. So, um, so how can people find you? I mean, obviously, Hacksmith is on YouTube. It's uh, you know watched by millions. But uh, how can they connect with you, find you, ask any questions, you know, find out more information about, like, these internships and things you're talking about?
2: Yep. Um, So, obviously, if you search Hacksmith on Google, lots of stuff will come up. We're on pretty much all the social platforms like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you search Hacksmith, will just show up. Uh, But we also have a website, hacksmith.com, and on there, there's a contact form uh, which comes to us. But if you're looking for, for info about like the internship and whatnot, I'd recommend just signing up for our newsletter. Uh, that's our main way of contacting in mass um, when we're announcing things. Other other than that, it's just staying up to date with the videos and following us on social because we, we post news and stuff there as well.
1: Great. Well, this has been uh, a, a great uh, honor to talk with you and, and get more information from you about... Uh, Hacksmith, and uh, we really appreciate you uh, jumping on with us.
2: Thanks a lot, James. Thank you. And uh, I'd love to uh, meet you guys sometimes, sometime in person, if, if that's possible.
1: And that wraps up another episode of the Perception Podcast. As always, send any questions and comments to ask at experienceperception.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Sign up for our weekly newsletter on our site experienceperception.com
0: slash contact. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and write a nice review. See you on the next episode.